Welcome to SelfDiscoveryWisdom.com, formerly known as SelfDiscovery Media. On these podcasts, you're going to hear people who speak from the heart. They've taken the journey in life. Many things have happened to them, but they've changed it to happening for them. And in their strength, their courage, they've discovered their abilities and their wisdom, and they are now sharing it here with you. Do enjoy each show. We bring it to you with love and knowing that it's going to help you on your journey of life. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Building Your Business right here on selfdiscoverywisdom.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest all the way from California, from a hotel room at the present moment, is Laura Davis. Why is she in a hotel room? Well, she's dealing with her parents or grandparents' estate. And this is something we could actually touch on today. Why? Because she's a certified financial planner. And she says, you know, earn, save and spend. How do we do it? In which order? How do we prepare ourselves for aging? How do we prepare ourselves for everyday things? You know, things like COVID that come up and suddenly kind of hit your your uh, savings or anything else that kind of comes up that you didn't actually know anything about and even preparing for your death uh, and whom you're leaving everything to. So she is... Um, um, a free only certified financial planner. Her new book, which was inspired by years of working with clients to help them gain clarity and confidence around their money. Uh, Fiduciary financial advice is usually reserved for the very wealthy. And Laura wanted to write a book that would help middle income Americans and anybody else in the world get the knowledge they need to do better with their money. So eight years ago, she became a financial advisor. Prior to that, she had a brief stint as a recruiter. Before that, she was a real estate agent and sold foreclosures during the Great Recession. It was during this time that she started to become really interested in personal finance. She saw how flawed the financial discussions resulted in people losing their homes and their incomes. And this inspired her to get to help people better with their money and create better outcomes. We all need that. We have no idea, you know, what next crisis is going to come along or anything else. And and quite honestly, I mean, in America, if you haven't got um, medical coverage, you'd never know when something's going to come along like that and wipe your savings out. The thing is, is that today so many people are just living from paycheck to paycheck. And you say, what, save? Uh, Plan for the future? I'm only surviving today. How can I do that? And there's also the relationship with money where I don't want to be ruled by money. Um, you know, I don't want money to dictate my life. And then others who are chasing the money think it's the all important thing. So, you know, money is uh, it's fraught. A, it, it, absolutely fraught. It's an enormous question it mark, is. really. It's a tool. It is a tool. Yes. It's a transaction. And our relationship yeah. with money is going to dictate in many aspects of our life, the relationship we're going to have with life itself, isn't it? Yes. Welcome to the show, Hum. Oh, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you having me on. And you could not have introduced this topic better. It is money is that piece of our lives that we can't avoid. You know, you can't exit from the system, uh, unfortunately. The best that you can do is to learn the system and manage within it. Mm -hmm. So make the best decisions that you can based on the construct of your own life mm-hmm. uh, and and trying to work as best as you can with what you're provided. And 
I think the relationship with money right from the word go is is to actually understand it is it is a tool just like your car gets you around you know money yes. gets you around and it's the transaction that goes on between people in business and purchasing your groceries your house your clothing your da 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 uh, but we've given money so much power and so many well, people that, become yes. a slave to it yes I think and and your point is so well taken. It is a tool. Um, but unfortunately, most of us don't have control over the tool. It's, um, it's Which almost way like do we hold the hammer? <laughs> right. I was about to say, it's, it's almost like, you know, those jackhammers or like, go, 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 you know, out, out. And, and it's almost as if most of us don't have a good hold on the handles yeah. and we just let it go off by itself, tearing up the concrete willy nilly wherever it wants to go. So, um, so while, at its core, money is just a tool. And it, I think what the, the problem that most of us run into is that we don't know how to control it yeah. um, and, and utilize it as a tool that we, can, that we can use to really pursue our values, our goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and there is so much noise out there. You know, yes. it, is, it's a, it is very difficult. And to your point too, people are really struggling right now. Yeah. Um, you know, more uh, Americans than ever are living paycheck to paycheck. You know, in Canada and in the US, we're having this housing crisis where Oof, major. houses are completely unaffordable. Right. Um, and here in the US, we do have a, a massive problem with our healthcare system mm-hmm. and it is incredibly expensive. You know, I remember when... I first became an adult and I had to go get insurance on my own. Um, I've been self-employed for most of my adult life and I'm 41 now. Uh, and my premiums for good insurance were about $95 a month. And this was back in 2005. And today, you know, our premiums for our family of four are close to $1,400 a month for a catastrophic plan. Um, you know, and here in the U.S., in order to qualify for any subsidy at all, you have to be a family making under about a hundred thousand dollars a year. So, um, so that does not leave any room for, for other things, you know, every dollar is being spent on necessities. So when, um, so when people say, you know, I don't have control because Mm. every dollar is used on necessities, how in the world can I, can I make any progress at all in this environment? So, and it is very difficult. I don't want to minimize that. No, you've got the one side of it where it's not enough and I'm worried about money all the time. Can I afford to pay? Then you've got the other side of where people are making a shoot load of money and they've become, (laughs) they've become, the money's become their identity. Yeah. They've lost themselves. They've lost the reason why they're doing is that the more money they've got, the more power they think they have, but the more yes. they lose themselves in it and they become so protective over the money, they don't realize they've become the slave to it. So we have those two extremes. How do we find that balance where we can make that money work for us? Because ultimately, when, you know, both sides makes us a slave to the money in some form or other. How yes. do we actually live a life? where you know we're not worrying about every penny whether you know who's going to touch my billions or can I afford to pay for the rent you know yes and and you know these are these are really two different groups of people Mm -hmm. 
the billionaires and and the what I think of as the decamillionaire class. You know, we're when we. I'm sure that at some point you've heard this phrase, "eat the rich." No, actually, no. <laughs> it, it, it kind of sounds rather, you know, like a horror movie. It, but yeah. it's, it's it's a little barbaric, uh-huh. um, and I and I think that it it people more and more the masses are getting more and more angry that there is this this extraordinarily wealthy class, um, and and their problems are very different. Uh, the the people who I deal with in my practice on, when I'm when I'm coaching people one on one when I'm managing their finances um they're they're wealthy but they are they're more of that sort of mass affluent so so people who here in the states are earning eh, 250,000 to maybe $400,000 um and by the way this this statistic is is something that that most people don't really know which is that half of all american households make less than 70,000 US dollars per year so, so those people really are living very much paycheck to paycheck. You know, if you think about how much you actually have to live on when rent, average rent is $2,000 and when, you know, when, when the, the medical expenses are so high, when college costs are so yes. high, when a new car or even a used car is so expensive. You know, you're thinking all of maintaining these, the, you know, the used yes, car. Yes. Is the price maintain- of a new car. <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. There it is, it's just, it's a lot. So so if you are part of that group of people, and again, it is it is half of us here. Um, if you're part of that group, what the 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 place where you can start where you can do something today is what I find is that people are very afraid to even look at where they are now. So if you do one thing, if you're, if you're in that, if you're in that paycheck to paycheck, you know, sort of feeling like you're just constantly, you know, you're, you're waiting for the next check to come in just to survive. One of the things that you can do is really take stock of where you are now. You know, if, if you don't know exactly how much money is in your checking account, if you don't know exactly how much debt you have, um, those things are really important to get a good grasp on. Um, and then the second thing is for all of us is to really get a good hold on your own values. So as we all know that we are bombarded with constant messaging about, you know, what our lives are supposed to look like. You know, you have this, this, you know, this social media madness where, where it's like, you know, you've got to have this fancy bag. You've got to have the fancy car. You need to go on these fancy vacations multiple times a year. Um, or else you're just not making it right. Or you need right. to buy the fancy shoes or count. whatever it is. Yes. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, in, so really, you know, if you can take a really good look and say, you know, I need to be able to separate what the world is telling me is important for me to have be and do mm-hmm. and really understand what it is that you want to have be and do you know what yes, what it, is important for it you it isn't about the price tag on you and it's a, it's about how enriched and abundant you are from the inside out yes right? and, and when you're living life 
from the heart, from the soul, from the spirit. You're loving what you're doing and it is benefiting somebody else. You truly are enriched. Now, yes. that enrichment from the inside out doesn't always match the bank account. Certainly not in my case. No, no, but, no. Because actually, you're talking about $100,000 being kind of the poverty line over there. I'm a pensioner and I let, yes. make less than 22000 a year. And you're able to survive. <laughs> well, the piece is high. <laughs> right. Survival, you know, is, is, uh, is a yeah. relative term. Yeah. It's, it's a relative term. I mean, I, I think that you, that you give such a wonderful description of, I, I talk about this in my book too, when we're discovering purpose, um, you know, it, it I don't, I, I think it is very difficult to, for people to discover their purpose mm. and think on that higher plane when they are just managing barely to survive. Yeah. It's, it's um, a hard thing to do. Yeah, it is. It's really difficult. And, and I don't want to say it's impossible, no. um, but I also don't want to, there's, there's a lot of shame around money. There's a lot of shame mm. around, um, around you know, it, not making it right. Like, uh, I don't know why I'm on this side of social media, but I am constantly getting bombarded with these sort of side hustle ideas, mm -hmm. you know, this, the, this like idea and when, and when, and it's, it's generally speaking, younger kind of attractive women, sometimes men talking about real estate side hustles or these all, you know, the affiliate marketing and there, there's yes. all these sort of phrases, right. There's all these terms. And, and I'm not saying that the, those things can't be done, but I think there is the messaging has this underlying element of shame, which is that yeah. if you can't figure out how to make $10,000 a month starting yeah. next month in a side hustle, yes. then there must be something wrong with you. With you. you must exactly. not be smart. You must have, right. you know, you must not be a hard worker. You must not be brave. You know, all of those things. And there is that shame and it's, you know, so it's that idea that like, if you're not making this much, then you need to feel bad about yourself. And I, I just, I hate that. I wish that that wasn't the case. Um, I've been given that myself, you know, I've been 10 years with my own network. I do everything by donation. And, you know, we know the word donation. Some people just completely and utterly cannot see the word at all. Right. Right. So whether right. it's guest or whether it's listener, it's like woo over the head. But for me, for my soul consciousness, it has to be free will. It, you yes. know, you you pay according to what you feel the show is giving you. Uh, and that's just my compass. But I have got flack left, right and center from so many people I know that, you know, mean well. But sorry, mm. you, you haven't made it unless you're making this amount of money. Mm. And I said, I may be bank poor, right? But I am so soul enriched. And no, it doesn't put the roof over my head or anything else. I mean, most certainly I'd like to turn the volume up on the bank, you know, most certainly. But I've been doing this 10 years and I look at the caliber of people like yourself that I've had on with the enrichment of knowledge that empowers other people's lives. That's my measure of success. Yes. And I think that if we could as collectively as a society have that mindset shift, you know, yes. that, 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 
your, your value, your yeah. intrinsic value is not connected to the number in your bank account. It is not connected to how much money you earn. Money is, is, is wonderful. And it is a great tool if you can use it correctly. Um, it can also be used for evil. And, and I As think we've that seen we, over and over again. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, and so we're, we, but, but to your point, you know, to me, what your value is in this world, and I say this in my book when I'm talking about purpose, is, is, is the value that you provide to others. I, a purpose cannot be, um, cannot work to benefit you first. A purpose needs to help other people first. And that's exactly what you're doing, Sarah, with your, with your pocket. And this is your purpose and it is fulfilling exactly. you in all these ways. Well, that's the thing. When you feel enriched yourself by your mm. purpose, you yes. know, your cup runneth over. All right. Yes. And, and no amount of money can buy this feeling. No amount of money can buy this. It can support it. Yes. It can enhance it, but it yes. can't buy it. You know, and I love it whenever you see no. a disaster movie, the first person to go is the billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. Oh. How, or, you know, um, you know, The Walking Dead or anything else like that. It's the rich that can, because they think that they can buy anything and anyone. But when it comes, even like COVID, right, yes. it, it's, uh, it would hit people who were immune weak. Yes. Right. So yeah. it didn't matter. I mean, you will see this time and time again of people that die of this billionaire thinking they can buy that longevity. And it's like the person rather like Buffett, he can make money in his sleep, but he gives 50 percent away all the time. And he still lives in his old house. Right. right. For, and drives his old car. Exactly. And it's like for him, it's like, yes, I can make the money, but how can I make this money work for other people? And so I'm yes. saying, go make a shootload of money. Get rich, yes. but make yes. sure you're seeding opportunities for other people because somebody yes. else helped you get where you are. Right. And that's why it's so important to get those values straight. I do want to go back to your, you know, your, your billionaire dies first, because <laughs> this, this story about the submersible, you know, that, that everyone was talking about a couple of weeks ago when, when mm -hmm. those five people yes. died on there. Yes. Um, it, it, it struck this, this, this note in, in, in sort of this commentary, this social commentary about, is it okay to be maybe not happy exactly, but maybe not sad that that happened, mm. you know, um, and, and this goes back to the, to the eat the rich piece, Sarah, because yes. I think when I, I, I felt a little conflicted about it myself, because I'll be honest, you know, part of me was like, they made a dumb decision. They used their money to do something that yeah. was ego driven. And I'm not, you really would, you would think with that money, they would have people to investigate the company to make sure they were doing everything right. Now, you know, I'm sorry for the kid that died in there Same. because he actually didn't really want to go. He didn't want to go. Right. right. Exactly. And so, you yes. know, kind of, oh, come on, kid, you love the experience. And it's like, it's sad that, but yes, it's just, just because money can buy it. It's like going up into space for 11 minutes. I remember when 
Our Captain Kirk did that and he was interviewing for a person who was kind of known as the spaceman. And he was yes. talking about that experience of being able to finally see the world from the, the top before they came back down. And he was interrupted by boss uh, who, who kind of went off on a different tangent. You know, here's somebody <laughs> sharing his soul, that spirit of something that was such a huge impact on his life. Now, finally seeing it, you know, really the experience of seeing Earth from above, which how yeah. many of us would love to have that experience? And instead, it came across with this other. And it's right. like the <clears throat> typical billionaire approach to it, as opposed to the experience approach to it. Right, right. And, it, and it, you know, again, it doesn't matter who you are. Right. You've got to get a hold of those values yes. outside of your ego. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, the and, big and, ego. And, uh, right. There's the, yeah, there's some big egos out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I heard this very interesting take after that, after the submersible thing happened and people were going back and forth about whether you should feel bad about feeling happy that they died you know, that schadenfreude. And an ethicist said, you know, she, this, it's a woman who, you know, she has a PhD in ethics of all things, you know, that's like, it's a, it's a social yeah. studies kind of um, academia piece of things. And, and she said something along the lines of, it's neither unethical or immoral to feel happiness at the demise of your oppressors. Mm. And you know, as, as someone who works in the finance world, I, I, I exist in this weird space where I, where I really believe that our systems work against the overwhelming yes. majority of us, 99.9% of us. Absolutely. Um, and yet I know that if I, if I publicly say, you know, I, I don't think that billionaires should exist. I don't, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I, I think most people in financial services would think I was crazy, um, but we, but we don't have the most financial services itself is not the most ethical right. industry exactly. in the world. There's a lot of, there's a lot of fraud um, in the United States, only about 10% of us work in a fiduciary capacity. And a fiduciary means that I always have to put your interest ahead of my own. Mm -hmm. Um, and in the U.S., we are the only developed country that uh, does not have a fiduciary standard for financial advice. So if you're out there getting advice from someone, um, it's probably a good idea to ask if they're a fiduciary. Otherwise, they're only held to what's called a suitability standard. Mm. Um, and a suitability standard just means that I can sell you something that's suitable, even if I know that there's something better. Right. And I might be incentivized to sell you the suitable thing because it makes me more money, right? Than if it's I. All about the sale. <laughs> yes, it's all about the sale. Yes. Um, and we do a really terrible job of educating people on how they can get financial advice and, and you know, and, and, and how they should look at things. I think people don't even know what questions to ask. Yes. No, I mean, God, I mean, I, 
I've had many, many financial people on the show here and all different type of backgrounds. But, you know, for me, I interview people who are literally coming from the heart that really want to help people, you know, have yes. better financial situations. Yes. But they're all different perspectives around it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there is never one size fits all. You need no. to find that someone that's speaking a your language that you know that the intent is to serve you where yes. you're at. Yes. Right. Now, you know, yeah. I, I, you know, I've got people say, look, just do this. And once you've got the money, I can help you do that. And my argument has always been I was involved with a technology that was absolutely brilliant. And everybody said, we'll invest in it once you've built it and got the patent. I said, but we need the money. We did build it because I put that money up there for that. But we needed the money for the patent and then for further testing. Oh, but once you've right. done that, we'll invest. I said, but no, we need the investment, but I need the now, investment to do now. And I could right. not believe because, you know, coming from where I'm coming from, which has always been that spiritual coach, I'm looking at these people and I'm going, you're playing at being an investor. But inside of you is a terrified little boy that's yes. scared shootless of losing money, but losing face. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And, and yes. And that, that is like classic, you know, I need, ex you need experience in order to get a job, but you need the job to get the experience. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, and I just so, don't get it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I, know. I know. Who came it. around with that rationale? I just don't I, get it. <laughs> I know it's, it's, it is, it is a very difficult, you know, you have to, you have to, you have to prove yourself, but how do you prove yourself before you pro you've proven yourself? Yes. <laughs> so, so the, well, this is, is why you're seeing so many more people, solopreneurs, small businesses. Yes. You know, it's like I'm not going to get, a, get ahead of the corporate world, especially yeah. if I'm a woman or a person of any ethnic background. Yes. Uh, right. Um, it's it's the rich man's club and they've got that door firmly closed. And so you can go to a certain height and then that's it. Membership only. Right. Yes. So you've got so many people are going, why am I slaving away for them? Right. And right. Yes. We are now seeing so many people now being that solopreneur of small businesses and saying, look, it's the same risk. I'm at no security being with the corporate. Correct. Right? Because I they don't because do there's no loyalty no. there. They can right? kick you out at any time. Yeah. For any yeah. reason. Yes. Right. And they don't care about you. And they're constantly telling you that you don't have a good work ethic because you're not working hard enough. You're not yeah. sacrificing enough for the company. You know, there's no, there's what you no, mean you're only working for... 23 hours a day. What about the 24th? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, and what about children? Yes. You know, they're, oh they're, no, you can't have kids. It interrupts. You right. Exactly. <laughs> they're, you know, oh, you can't, you it's impossible. Well, at least for women, it is for yes. men, it, you know, you look at a man who leaves early to go to his kid's recital, you know, that man is an amazing father. You, right. The woman leaves early to go to her kid's recital and she's not a good worker. And, you know, she has one foot out the door. Right. So, and we still do that. You know, we still have that very much double standard, even those of us who consider ourselves progressive and, mm -hmm. you know, and, 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 you know, diversity and inclusion um, advocates. I think we still have that patriarchal, um, mindset yeah. and, and, and you have to catch yourself. Um, 
Yes. And, and, you know, not, and not let well, that I mean, overtake you, know, you. I'm, I'm, you know, a huge one of looking at the system. And I'm, I have a, a book coming out, an anthology collaborative book coming out at the end of the year called the Forgotten Children series. And the people who are contributing are people who are working with children. And I firmly believe mm-hmm. our dysfunctional adult society is because we've let the child down. Right. Mm, and we interesting. Take, we take the spirit of the child. We watch them in their wonderment of discovery and and we get all oh, about it. And then we put them in a, a school institution that now says you've got to sit there and you've got to become this. And don't you be indiv- independent or individual. All right. And then this, right. this child then kind of almost feels abandoned because the child that was in wonderment is being told what to be a wonderment about rather than the wonderment of what is making them wonder, right? So, right. And then they become an adult who has a very hard time finding their yes, own path. Exactly. You know? um, and and path of expectation. T- what, what, what do you mean? I don't fit into right. that. You know, I don't yeah, I've, yeah. Right. And I can't be, <laughs> and I can't be the best. I can't be in service yes. to my community in the best way possible, if I'm not allowed to explore that, you know, I, I, this is, and this is all going back to purpose and helping our kids realize what that means. Um, when, so I, I, I'm a career changer. I only started in this business about eight years ago and, um, I came from a brief stint as a recruiter. And then prior to that, as you said, I was, I I sold foreclosures during the recession. And um, so I worked directly with banks and I I had to do sort of grody things like Mm. evict people and, you know, clean out houses that had had lots and lots of drug use or, or homeless people living there and things that were more difficult to see. Um, But I did start getting interested in personal finance then because I could see how one decision made would yes. could really affect someone's life in this in this negative way. Um so but I didn't know what I really wanted to do. Right. And and discover. so I went on I went on this whole self-discovery yes. mission and um I read books and I just sat there thinking and thinking and writing things down and you know trying to figure it out. And all that work culminated in this singular moment for me where I just, I all of a sudden thought, oh my God, like I'm a, I'm a financial planner. Like mm-hmm. this is what I've been doing. And, and one of the biggest things, so I, I finally figured out that there was such a thing as a certified financial planner and a certified financial planner is, is someone who deals with all aspects of financial planning, personal finance. So there we're, we're more holistic in the way that we approach things. We don't just manage money. We very much incorporate your, your goals and, and things like insurance and estate planning and other stuff. So, um, so I had this aha moment that you know, because going back to what you mentioned earlier, what comes out of you intrinsically, Mm -hmm. right? And, and what I was just doing anyway, in my spare time was I was, you know, looking at retirement calculators online. I was the person who my friends would call if they had Mm -hmm. questions about their 401ks. You know, I was the one who was questioning my insurance agent every step of the way saying, does this really make sense for me? Does this make sense in terms of my broader financial picture? How can we do this better? And, um, and when I discovered that it was like, 
it was like this light bulb went off yeah. and so, sort of like you, what you're describing is mm -hmm. your experience of having this podcast and of working and talking with people. That's the experience that I get when I'm talking with clients. Right. You know, I, but, but, but is, the experience I, that you had before with the, you know, the horrific thing of having to evict people. Now you imagine when they first bought that house, this is their home. And then, you know, 2008 crash come along, which is no fault of their own. This is the central no. banks. And there's a hell of a lot of problem with the central banks and their decision making. It was the big, the top end bad financial decision that the lower end paid for. Right. So yes, suddenly absolutely. they lose their home. They, are they ever going to have a home again? Can they even afford to rent? No, they're, they're walking away from their dream. Right. And yes. they are not the failure. The system failed them. Absolutely. But, but you going through that experience, had you not gone through that, it wouldn't have made you such a holistic planner in the first no. place. No. And I also don't think that I would have had empathy yeah. for people who traditionally don't fit into um, the client profile of a financial advisor, right? We, even those of us who are fee only, you know, our, our fees. Um, even if we don't have asset minimums, our fees are high enough to where a very small percentage of the population can afford us. Um, and so there's not, there's not people who are in my position who are working with people on that lower or even yeah. the middle end yeah. of the spectrum. Um, because well, that's because how the we, rich continue to be rich because people are managing their money. That's right. People who need the management of the money can't afford Right, the services right. that help them manage it. Right. Back to the, the, the imbalance yes. again. Yeah. Well, well, and I also so this is also what what I'm what I'm really interested in doing for for this world is is that for people's personal finances. This is the one thing, by the way, Sarah, that I'm actually good at. I like I and I'm really good at what I do. I'm not that great at anything else, but this mm. is where I'm really truly passionate. You know, I I just I'm like, I'm an okay mom, you know, like <laughs> I'm in a local choir. I sing okay, but this is this is where I really shine. But, um, but I think that there there, I think it is a myth that it is so overly complicated that you actually, as a middle income person, that you really do need someone else doing things for you. Um, you know, our industry has perpetuated that idea because, um we benefit if you feel like you can't do things yourself, exactly. right? Because then you have to pay us to do it for you. Right. And in my experience, people who don't have overly complex financial situations who, you know, maybe have a, um, you know, they're maybe employed, they maybe have a mortgage um, and, you know, and maybe they have a kid or two. Uh, they, they probably can do it themselves, um, it does take a little bit of effort. It takes self-education, but for most people, I think it's worth it to know the system so that they can do a good job managing their own money because the only people who they can afford to hire are people who are selling them products that they likely didn't need in the first exactly. place. I kind of draw an analogy that to, to web designers. I have had so many web designers designed for me that has not been bought out in the way I wanted it or I can't use mm. it or they shut you out, right? Yes. So yes. Um, a little less common now because, you know, we can go in and protect ourselves. But I've still had that. I, you know, a couple of years ago, I had somebody design a site for me and then he held me ransom. 
to get more money, right? But oh. with what I see you doing is that it would be an initial investment for someone to go in and get to learn what they need to know. And then they can, quote, quote, manage their own site because they know what they're doing. The yes. One of the problems with a lot of the financial people, they make it so highfalutin and complex yes. that the regular yes. person goes, are you speaking English? <laughs> right, exactly. And and again, there there is a reason for that. Um, and, and, and the reason is so that they can continue to draw you in and say, yes. and say, like I'm a psychiatrist. so much smarter than you. Sick, right. Coming, coming yes. back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm a big therapy person, by the way. Like we do, we do go see our therapist yeah. and, and, yes, you know, but, but, but if you check with you to do things on your own, not yes. keep you crippled. So you keep going back. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's not like, it's not like you're going back to get the, you know, that hit, that hit, mm. that hit. And they yes. keep on bringing you in more yeah. and more like, you know, <laughs> dependency, like right? Yes. Empowerment. Yes. yes. But not dependency. Yes. yes. Correct. So, so, and, you know, I, I just, my mission in this, in, in, in what I do is to, is to give people that sense of personal power, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, and I think that once they have that, that base level of knowledge, they, if they ever seek financial advice in the future from a professional, at least they know what questions to exactly. ask. At least they know the context. At least they have power over their own money. You know, they have power over that tool. They're not going to just like leave it running and let it go off to destroy something. But you they, know, the, they mean the, that they've earned the money. They should have the power over it. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I mean we, we yes. were talking before the show, uh, you know, as you, you're in California right now because you're dealing with your father-in-law's um, or grandfather-in-law, is it, um, yes. estate and, yes. uh, you know, cleaning out the house and dealing with everything else and all of that. And it can be long yeah. and tedious and everything else. When somebody actually hasn't left any instructions or a will. You know, it, it's then going to be held up for a long time while all the legalities and everything go through. So who is going to and all of that? And then you've got to kind of get in there. And then suddenly you find there's a bill from here and there's a bill from there. Well, is it a valid bill? When my dad died, three days after he died, a bill arrived that apparently he bought on the day he died or the day after he died, some several thousand pounds worth of clothing. Now oh. I went shopping. I went shopping with my dad. My dad was very kind of tweed jacket, comfy pants and shirt. You know that. Oh that, no! And, and, and he, his age, that that generation would never. Right. Know? Exactly. <laughs> and and you know we looked at the type of things that he supposedly bought, and you know the they're hoping at that time that a widow is just too distressed or distraught, yes. or that she'll hand it over to someone else pay that bill without questioning it, which I think is the lowest of the low, right? Absolutely. Um, and and mm. the thing is, if we do, you know, and, and I was saying that my my ex-mother um, and father-in-law were Chinese, and they would not write a will because they believed that if you did a will, that was inviting death. And so they yeah. had so many kids and then, then the estate, you know, oh. went kind of, it was, you know. Oh, uh, it's a nightmare. Finding jewelry, hiding in the drawer and finding this and finding that, right? And it's like none of the clarity. 
Um, right. I'm an executor yeah. of my friend's estate who's 90 and, but I've been living with her for a while. So, but still trying to kind of like, let's put everything in one folder so I know where it is and yes. not like in 20 million folders. And it's like just as much as you want to manage your money while you're living, if you've got people that are coming after you, you want to leave, whether you're leaving the money or leaving them instructions of something, you want to yes. make sure that the ducks are in a row, so to speak, you know? That's right. I always say that the most loving thing that you can do for your family is is to give them a, a, a way to deal with you and your things and your wishes after you're gone. An easy closure. Um, Yes, yes. Yeah. And and because no matter how well you prepare, your family will be grieving for you. Yes. At least if they liked you. Yes. You know? We um, hope they're grieving. Right. For we you. hope they're grieving. <laughs> but but they're gonna they're gonna be dealing with so much emotion. So and and again, part of this idea of holistic financial planning is to make sure that you understand how you're incorporating that estate plan with your financial situation now. Um, and I can't give financial advice, but I will say this to your listeners is that it does, the it, estate planning often sounds like this thing that only rich people need to right. do. You know, only rich people need an estate plan. If you are over 18, you need an estate plan and it doesn't have to be complicated. Yes. It doesn't have to be expensive, but the reason why is so that is so that if something were to happen to you, you know, a will directs um, where things go, should you pass away? So it names people to have them. Um, you need a power of attorney, someone who can take care of your affairs if you're incapacitated and not right. able to. And you also need an advanced healthcare directive. Um, and this is called some slightly different things in different states and different places, but it basically helps medical professionals um, determine what to do if you can't tell them tell what them. to do. Yeah. And this happens so frequently um, and, and, and people just ignore it, you know, because, because if you're, if you're not fully dead, and I know this yeah. sounds terribly insensitive, but if you're not fully dead, but someone has to make decisions on your behalf and you haven't done that document, and this can happen to you at any age, this yes. isn't just for old people. No. And if, and if you don't have that document, you are putting your loved ones in a world of hurt because they won't be able to help you. Right. Um, and, and they won't be able to, to do the things for you that you would have wished. Um, right. and, because they don't and on, know what your wishes are. No, as simple right. as that. Uh, I right. kind of so put it in, in alignment to, yes. you know, people with dementia. I've done a number of shows on that. And uh, there was one beautiful uh, woman, Anne Bird, who, who was a nurse, a dementia nurse, and then she left to be kind of become the dimensional planner. So when mm. people are diagnosed with it, while they're still cognitive of choosing where they're going to go at what time, you yeah. know, having their, their things in order, you know, making sure so that the peace of mind is they may not remember with Alzheimer's or, or dementia, when you put them somewhere, they're, they're not going to remember the decision-making or even where they are. But the people are, that your loved ones don't feel they're institutionalizing you. This was a choice you made. You right. put everything in order so that, because no, you're not dead. Yes. But you're also not cognitively living 
And so you don't want that burden to be on your family. And this is a way, you know, even people who are going through cancer or going through this and that, you don't know the outcome, you know, positive thinking and doing everything right. Yes, you'll come out of it, but one doesn't know. And so you don't want the burden. You want to get everything sorted out. Um, And even at the beginning of the diagnosis, I know it's extremely hard, but that's Mm. the time to go, okay, I need to, while I can, plan for my recovery, my finances, my this and that, my family. Because if I don't, I'm not going to be in the right state of mind for it. And somebody else may go make those decisions that I don't like. Right. Or in, in, uh, and if you have children too, I mean, yes. this is even more important, um, but the state will decide for you what yes. happens. And, God, and we I don't, don't think want them anyone no. wants that to no. happen. So, so it really, I, I can't emphasize the importance of this enough. Those, those three documents, the will, the advanced healthcare directive and the power of attorney. And if you have minor children, you also need a trust yes. um, that will go into place to take care of them financially as, as they, before they reach majority or whenever it is that you would like them to have access to money. But um, I mean, I know many people who have children that are autistic or Down syndrome or this mm. and that. So, you know, that means that you're looking at a lifetime of, of yes. support for that child. And that's, yes. you know, the other kids you hope are going to grow up and be out on their own. But this child mm-hmm. is going to need that continual support long after right. you're gone. Yeah. So, so you need something called a special needs trust if that is your particular scenario that will help facilitate that care not only financially, but also um, sort of technically and emotionally and, and medically for the rest of their life. Um, and you need to, um, you know, you need to have people who you trust who, who are there in those positions of, um, of guardians and trustees and, yes. uh, and, and, and people who are making those decisions. But it is, it is vitally important that you have those things in place. Um, also, I, I have this other idea that I, that I always, that I always tell people and I do, I have like a spreadsheet and it's not a great spreadsheet, but, um, I don't know if you experience this, Sarah, but when, when someone passes away and even if they have those documents that I just listed, all that is together, there's a whole other list of things, like you said, with bills. So Mm. like, who is the, who's your electric company? Who's, Mm. who is, um, who's your kid's pediatrician? Who is the, like, if you have a cleaner, like what is Mm. their name and contact information? Um, all like, who do you pay your insurance to? Who's your homeowner's insurance with those kinds of things. If you also just have a list of those um, things that people would need to know, I make a list like this for my parents every time that my husband and I leave our children with them, which we did this week to come out here and and work through these issues. Um, And I make a list and I say, here are all the things that you would need to know. Here's the numbers for their school. Here's their friends, parents numbers. Here's this, here's that to make sure that it's, it would be if the worst happened, which it doesn't usually, but sometimes it does. does. And we don't know, and we don't have control over that. But so that I would make their life so much easier. The transition. I mean, yes. you know, we've got to understand that should you have an accident, should it, the God forbid, you know, the mm. end is there, uh, that they're in grief, they're in all that emotion. So yeah. the more all those other things are yes. rationally, logically are there, 
and they mm. haven't got to chase for it. And we're, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You know, right. and that, that just right. adds to the stress. And it's like, it you really know, does. Who's this and who's that? Okay, it's in the list. Right. Yes. And so, yeah. It's, I, I mean, you know, I'm not that, although I absolutely see that logic, I have not been that kind of person to do the list. But, you know, in running this this business and everything else, I know you know, have the Word document with all my simple things of my links and my passwords and my yes. this and that so that, you know, yes, something your goes passwords. on. That's exactly. the other thing. You know, it's yes. how you get into that and, uh, you know, what my financial banks are so you can get into the account and all of that. So, yes. you know, yes. it's, it's a list of the bank accounts. Yes. So important. <laughs> yeah. A list of all of your financial accounts, where they are. You don't have to put amounts. You don't have yeah. to put account numbers. Right. But as long as you have all of the institutions listed yeah. and the type of account, it's, oh, I just can't even tell you how much of an of an easing of a burden that is, um, especially for people who are maybe in your parents' generation. So that you know the the um, the greatest generation, the people who came before the baby boomers, they're they're in general they are so private. Yes. Um. And and that privacy makes things much more difficult when you're trying to either transition them into assisted care or when they pass away and everything has been very hidden and they don't want to share because they don't want to burden. Yeah. But, um, but the biggest burden that you can give to people is non-transparency. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And, you know, like I have a sister that's 82, my brother's seven be turning 74 this year. And, you know, it's, and I'm a younger baby boomer. Younger. So I was at mm-hmm. the younger, the side of it. And, you know, we were looking at those baby boomers that, you know, were the product of the generation you were talking about, where things were very, very private. But the other thing is they think they have everything in order, but they're not yes. up to date with the latest needs and, and, or, you know, I mean, let's face it, things are constantly being updated digitally and this and that and uh where they used to have a little bank book there you know now they've got to do it online what do you mean i'm 90 i'm i live with a 90 right. there is no way she's doing anything online you know? oh my gosh i know well and they save everything you know we were looking through things yesterday here and and um my husband's grandfather was 96 when he passed away and I mean, they kept everything, you know, how, like when you're, when your credit card expires and yes. you just, you cut it up and you put it in the trash or you shred it, or you do what, you know, you get rid of it. Well, they have every single credit card since <laughs> 1968 in a box. Like they're, they're a collector's thing now, right? right? They're like, <laughs> yes, they're like, they're keeping everything. Um, so, so it, it's just such a different mindset and a yes. different generation. And yeah, that that sort of... Um... Well, they went through the, the, the generation of lack or unsure. Yes. So you, yes. you held on to things in case, always in case. In case. And then we, always you know, in case. And then, then we're, you know, <laughs> like, especially kind of the 80s. I mean, I'm a 70s chick. That was my decade. Yes. I was born in the 50s, but the 70s was my adult thing. And we were about you know, non-institution, non-control. We were about free will. We were about expressing and exploring ourselves. Yes. And then the 80s came in, which was very bubblegummy. 
right? And then the 90s kind of going kind of dark in many ways of that back to the discovery of needing right. more substance. But then we seem to go into that financial thing where uh, more is more uh, rather than less is more. Right. right. Yes. We're yes. turning back now to the less is more. Yeah. Because and it, it, yes. Because we're realizing there's a massive divide between those that have more and those that have less. But what we're finding, and especially have millennial kids, is they've decided not to have children or not to buy a house or not to do this and not to do that because they don't want to put that burden upon themselves. Right. right. So they're looking yes. at their finances, they're looking at their future in a very, very different way out of necessity, because this whole thing of, as you said in the beginning, you know, probably social media changed everything. Yes. Right. When you've got things like the Cardassians, et cetera, et cetera, housewives, all of that. It where normalizes it. It normalizes, Whereas, which is no. Yeah. <laughs> right. No. Well, because like, you know, when you were growing, when you had your 70s heyday, it's not like there weren't tabloids. It's not like you didn't see sort of this rich and famous kind of lifestyle. What this what social media has done, it it is it has normalized the idea that we should all yeah, have our that. Louis Vuitton bag, yes. right? That we should all be like able to have that family vacation to Disney World, which yeah. or you know, or or to of... buy a butt. <laughs> right. Or yeah. afford to buy a boat. Oh my god. No, a butt. Uh, Not a boat, oh. a butt. <laughs> oh. <laughs> How many people are getting body implants because somebody has made it popular, right? Yes. And it's like yes. and it's like, no, yes. no, no, no. We're asking you for the essence yes. of you to come out. That's where your true enrichment is. And yes. you're believing that my remanufacturing your body and your state of being is going to make you yes. fulfilled. Right, right. that illusion. And look, when you when you look at every single one of them, and take away the veil, they're they're all human like us. They've all got problems. They've all been divorced. They've all had everything else going on. They may be rich, but they've also now become a victim of that riches because people are so fickle. They put you Mm. up on a pedestal, but the moment something happens in your life they don't like they're going to tear you down very very right. fast yeah yeah which is why you just have to have such a good handle on what is really important to you yes. and it's okay if something is important like i don't i i don't judge people's spending decisions you know if it's it to me it really is okay if you know you want to buy that fancy pair of shoes. Mm. If you want to do your Botox, if you want to like, if, if you want to spend a bunch of money on a gym or whatever, if you can afford it. Okay. If you, if you can afford it, but also are you doing it to look for for other people's approval? All right. Uh, Right. Is, is it your self-value you're doing that you're enhancing or are you doing it to look for the outside value? Right, exactly. And that is the thing that you have to discover within yourself. You know, I like personally, I really, I like to have people over to my house and I like my house to look a certain way um, because it just makes me feel good when the bed is made. That's that's the presentation of you. It's the essence of you. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's, and so, so maybe in someone's mind, that would be shallow. 
in my mind, it's like, no, I just like it, it be, you know, I'm not doing it because I want other people to say or react or something in a certain it's way. What you're comfortable it's because it's presenting. important to me. Yes. But yes. again, like, I, I think when, it, so, so it's not, like you said, it's, it's not necessarily, um, that th- this is why you, this is why you really have to do that soul searching to figure yeah. out what it is that's meaningful to you. And if it happens to be something that is, that's, that's showy. Okay. And, and, and just, but, but always question, like, am I doing this because I want to, or am I doing it because I think that society wants me to, I think someone else is wanting me to, I'm looking for a reaction. Yes. Um, and, or, and or, I'm, really, or I'm, yeah. you know, emotional, you know, how many people yes. emotionally shop? You know, yes. I'm feeling less than I'm yes. feeling stressed. And what am I going to do? Yes. I'm going to buy something to make me feel better. Right. And, and then it doesn't make just you feel, feel better. Worse. It goes off in a drawer somewhere and then you go That's and right. buy something else. And it's like, right. No, and no, then no. you're like, shoot. And now and, I've now yeah. my money's gone, too. Yes. And so Ooh, then you God, feel it's like a sh- bill. <laughs> right. It's exactly. It's a shame spiral. Yes. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, these are these are all difficult issues. But I just think that, you know, the the way the way that you're thinking about things Sarah and the way that that we're talking about them now um that money mindset that 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 really understanding of who you are personally you know like no rules of thumb no 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 one size fits all solutions you've got to discover it for yourself and then you have to you have to give yourself the education to help you be successful within the context of your own life we all need breath. We all yes. need oxygen. Yes. Equally, we all need money as human beings to live. Yes. It's a matter of yes. fact, right? Yes. We have to decide how much is enough. Yes. Oh, and we, enough. And we also that's have to decide concept. how we're going to earn it. You know, how much are, are we going to cost of ourselves in the earning of it? Yes. Or how much can we look at ourselves? I've earned that, that in an ethical way that I feel comfortable with. Yes. And this is, this is, it, it is difficult because this is one of those, like, I don't, I don't want to judge someone for the way that they're earning their money. On the other hand, I wish that we could all earn money by providing real value, not by consciously not by putting more product into the world that's going to clog our landfills yes not by exploiting other people in order to get what we want um you know not by cheating the system um and i and i i have confidence that 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 is possible that it is it is very possible um and you're doing it Mm -hmm. you know i'm doing it I don't, I, I think we're, we're just needing to reevaluate. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, you, you have a past president that everybody thought was rich. So therefore he must be, <laughs> must be right. But, you know, we look at all the bankruptcy and we look at all the people that he cheated and we look at the corruption and everything else. And for him, that was okay. That's a true narcissist, by the way. Anybody oh, that yes. when they empower themselves at everybody else's expense. Yes. It's true narcissism. And, yes. But people, you know, oh, you know, he's he was rich, he's popular, he's been on TV, this or that. So he must be. 
I know this is where we have to stop and take a breath and go, okay, let's reverse that now. Let's rewind the wheel. How did he make his money? Did other people benefit from it? Right? And whom is it serving? And if you look at that bottom line and uh, the way they treat it, well, if they can treat people like that to make their money, how are they going to represent you in a, in the country? Well, and, and this is what is so... Um... This is what's so difficult about human nature, mm-hmm. because I, I feel like a lot of the time we are inherently self-destructive. Oh, um, God, yes. And I have a story <laughs> about, I have a, a very quick story about our former president. And so we have friends who lived close to his um, golf court course in New Jersey. And they, one of their friends was an arborist and did a whole bunch of tree work for Trump, $80,000 worth of tree work. And he never paid them, you of know, and this is, that was this, his is trend. And this was his thing, right? <laughs> yes. Like, and, and everybody says like, you don't get paid if you do a job for him. Yes. And, and the, this friend of theirs said, well, yes, of course I didn't pursue it because it, because he has an army of lawyers yeah. and, you know, it wasn't going to be worth it. And Which is what they count on. Right. Uh-huh. And this was this. So, so why would he have done the job in the first place is, right. was my question. But the, but the real kicker of this story is that that guy, the arborist still voted for Trump. What? Even with, <laughs> yes. yes. I know this is, a, you know, I'm okay. All right. <laughs> I, right? I'm not in that but, world. <laughs> but it, but it is not, but it's not so different from from the people who vote for him, who benefit from um, government programs, mm. who are who benefit from our from from democratic policies, right? It's despite the fact that he that that's and and I'm not even just going to use him, but despite the fact that someone will actively. Uh, do things that cause your life to be worse than it would otherwise be, and certainly don't help. Um, we still some t- somehow ignore that in the face of of this idea that oh well they're a good business person, you know they they they're wealthy, they have this power, they must and this be, yeah. Um, and we we place those things over common sense. Is that person a good person? Right. Like, like, do they re- do they care about others? Do they put other people ahead of themselves? And and why we want leaders who put themselves over others? It will oh, it will boggles my mind. Yeah, <laughs> um, I know. It's a, it's we, a we've, really- we've, one thing we forget is that they're actually civil servants. Yes, that we pay them to serve us. Yes. So Correct. if they're self serving. At the expense mm-hmm. of us, why are we putting them in power? But that is the same thing for any of those industries out there. And, and you know, they, what I yes. call them, I call them the ivory towers. They're yes. up in the ivory tower with their little gold toilets and everything else. And they're so far removed from the basement and the foundation yes. and the abuse of the of the people that are in that foundation. They don't realize that without those people, the foundation will crumble and they will tumble. Right. Yes. But they are so up in the clouds in their own ego and illusion. They don't realize that if you don't maintain the foundation, at some point it's going to crumble because they think they're now 
indestructible. But Sarah, don't you think that for all the evidence that's out there, that their foundation should have crumbled already, and yet we are still sort of half divided in supporting that kind of person? I think it's just people because they need a job. I Mm. mean, you've got this, um, what is that TV show about Undercover Boss? Oh, right. Yeah, so the yeah. boss goes undercover and he's working with people in that foundational level and it's a wake up call for them. Right. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, they, they aren't unhappy. They are that bit like, where are the other jobs? They're so scared of not being able to put food on the table and they don't yeah. know where the other jobs are or their own self-esteem and value is not high enough for them to say this mm. is enough. I'm going to move on. Right. And, you know, I I say this, that if you walk into a building and you're going to go see the CEO and the place is dirty, sticky, tardy, immediately your impression of the CEO has changed because he's allowed that. So who's the most important person in that presentation? That's your janitor. Right. Yes. Does anybody think of the janitor? They think of the janitor as the low life, but they have set up the presentation to which other people are going to receive the company CEO. Yes. Yes. And, and, and they should be compensated accordingly. Accordingly. You know, we're, yes. And, and, and they should not be taken advantage of. No. And, and we, and we shouldn't, and we shouldn't, the corporation should not be able to pay people so little that we then as taxpayers supplement the services that they must receive in order to survive. Yes. You know, it's just, it's corporate welfare at its finest. And it really comes down to the valuing of human beings differently. So yes. like if, if you believe that intrinsically we have different value then you're always going to be placing yourself in the hierarchy, right? Yeah. You're going to think, you're going to think, okay, I'm here. Everybody who's down here is less worthy well, so, than I yes. am. Lower than me. Yeah. Mm. Of, of security, of comfort, yeah. of happiness. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I, and I am, and I am very much going to, I I'm more than willing to exploit them, talk down to them, you know, yeah. all those things. And anybody who was above me, I'm going to constantly be scrambling for their attention. You know, I'm going to be constantly grasping and, and groveling and trying to get (laughs) right. And trying to get to that higher level. Yeah. Whereas if you, if you really truly believe that we all have equal value, you know, like, like the homeless person out there is no more or less valuable than I am. And I am no more or less valuable than Jeff Bezos. Yes. Um, my skill set may be compensated differently out there in the world, but right. that doesn't mean that I have any less value. And I and I think if you can just believe that, because that is the truth. Yes, you know, and and, anybody... and that's where that's again where the where your abundance comes from, the yes. enrichment of who you are, why you yes. are, and what you're here to do. Yes. Where the, the, the bank balance matches is that we want, there was one show I did a while ago, and I can't remember the name of the person, but it, it's, she is trying to organize where the government gives everybody $1,200 a month. Yeah, the universal basic income. Yes. And then that way, it's like rent is covered. Right. Right. That the yes. dignity of knowing that is covered. And then anything else I make above that, and now you know any form of wealth or pension or anything like that, the moment you make a cent over a certain amount, they start taking money away from you. 
Right, right. But yes. yet the cost of living goes up by 30%. So that means you're always going under. You're never managing to stay above. So I think the entire central bank, the institution, everything, and quite honestly, the entire government needs to be, you know how we re when we, when we've got a virus or anything on the computer, we have to reboot and go back to factory? Yes. I think we have to go we back need, to factory. We need yes. this. Yeah. Sarah, have you read a book called Donut Economics? I've heard about it, but I haven't read it. It is really wonderful. It, 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 it talks about how, you know, the, the economy, that idea of the economy is just a construct. Yes. Um, and it doesn't, and it really has always, it, 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 it it has always been thought of as a science, but in fact, it's really an emotional um, societal construct that we created that that really only benefits wealthy people yes. and reduces the rest of us to just numbers on a page. Exactly. And, and it talks about the idea that we could have an economy that instead of instead of focusing on the endless creation of profits, at the cost of everything else yes. focuses on the quality of our lives and of the planet um, in, in a sustainable way where there's nobody who's hungry. There's no one who Equality. doesn't have access to mm. decent healthcare. And, and it doesn't mean that there's that, that, that there's no ability to earn more or do better. It's not straight up communism. communism. Um, at all, it's it it it's a matter of of that 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 we we live in a world where we think everything is so scarce, mm. but in fact there are enough resources on this planet where yes, no one no one has Should to be hungry. hungry. No, no one has to be unhoused. There's no so one waste. has to. <laughs> yes, there's an incredible amount of waste, but but it does it doesn't have to be no. this way. No. Um and. You know, while while I I have you know this, I believe all of this stuff so strongly. I all in in those sort of macro senses, right? Yes. But also, it can feel so overwhelming because we're like, well, if we can't do anything about that, and it's just this overwhelming thing out there, and the world's going to hell in a handbasket, then then why even bother with our own personal life? Right. You know, but, um, but, but, but this is my point is that, you know, somebody, I'm only one person. I can't change anything. Yes, you can. You can change yes. you. You yes. can change your practices. You mm -hmm. are a part of the equation. Have you yes. read also the book Who Moved My Cheese by Spencer Johnson, MD? No, okay. I will put it on my list. Highly <laughs> recommend it. It's a metaphorical type book. Two men, two mice around abundance of cheese. One day the cheese is gone. So the two mice, Sniffy and Scurry, go sniffing out and scurrying around for more cheese. Hem and Ha, Ha is like, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm getting hungry. Well, I guess I need to go look for cheese. And Hem is, give me back my cheese. Who am I going to sue? Who am I going to kill? You give me back my cheese. All right. That is our change mindset. And yes. what we're dealing with so much, where we're seeing so much unrest and so many people mm. trying to turn the clock backwards you know, to the handmaiden's tail, you know, we're seeing that because they're, they, they're the hems, give me back, because they are so right. scared of the change. Now, if we could yes. all look at change, folks, you change your knickers every day. So why can't you change your thoughts, your practices, your, your everything else? Because we are explorers by nature. We are discoverers. Yes. We are wanderers. 
We are creatives. We are meant to be in that state of being. We're not meant to be complacent and stuck in fear because we're afraid of the unknown. If we had, from the beginning, stuck in fear of the unknown, we would still be in the thunderclouds. In fact, human beings would never, ever have evolved. Right, right. Because when you live your life from a place of fear and a place of everyone is out to get me, and if I give an inch, they're going to take a mile, and I'm, and I'm never going to... If you live in that place of constant lack, fear, scarcity, um, you know, you're... That's what you're going to have life. That's what you invite. That is what you invite in. And um, so you do have control over that. You don't have control over the everyday mechanics of our system, but you do have control over the way that you react to things and, and, and your mindset about, about your day-to-day decisions. How do systems change? They change when people Mm. change and the, and the scale changes. And the system goes, well, there's too many people doing that now. We have to change. Yes. Yeah. You have stepped yeah. into conscious financing yes. to empower the person, not the financial institutions. Yes. The more the people that you empower, the more they become part of that solutional scale, less power goes to the financial institutions. Is it a, a long, odious, tedious journey? Yes. Until we get the scale changed right yes. there there but when we start seeing that form of resistance that form mm. of angst from people that form of fear and anger we know already the change is already in place the tide is turning yes. it's like there's a teeter-totter and more yeah. and more people are wandering over to this other yes. side and the second that it gets heavier yeah you know and you know tip. quite honestly it changes here we have to change Resistance is futile because, you know, whether you're going to change or not, the change is happening. That's right. And I always say this too, that the time will pass anyway. You're going to wake up next year. Yes. And you can either, you can either wake up happier, more confident, um, more you, you know, more, more purposeful, meaningful, purposeful, meaningful. Mm -hmm. Or you can wake up exactly where you are now or Miserable. worse. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, and, you know, it really only takes, it takes small positive decisions, mm. small positive mindset shifts to really create outsized positive results. But the, also, the, the, the opposite is also true. So small negative, small letting that fear in over and over and over again, not pushing the fear away, sitting in the fear that will balloon into a very negative long-term yes. situation. Guaranteed. Where you don't remember so, even what you're fearful about. I call that right. the Fox News. Uh, they take a pimple and make it a volcanic eruption. Because the more they've got selling fear, the more people mm. buy the fear, but they're not even quite sure what they've purchased. That's but right. now they're so fearful and such a say to fearful, they cannot mm. see any way yeah. out of it because they distrust everything. Yes. Yes. And you know, yep. we, we don't always have a choice of what happens to us in life, no. but we do have a choice in what we do about it and whom we become because of it. Yes. Yes. So exactly. A hundred percent. Tell us about the book. I 
wrote this book for the people who we've been talking to. Um, I wrote it for people who feel disempowered in their personal financial world, who feel overwhelmed, who feel, um, you know, maybe even dumb or stupid when it comes to money. A lot of my clients say that, um, you know, when you, when you think, well, I don't, I don't understand the system and I, and I, you know, and I don't, I don't know. And I'm afraid, I'm a, right. I'm afraid to even look. Yeah. So I, I wrote this book. I, I, I wrote the words so that they would be accessible and easy and fun, but I also went a step further and I hired a wonderful illustrator. Her name is Colleen Finn. She lives in Atlanta where I do. And, um, and she's illustrated all of the financial planning concepts with anthropomorphic animals. So it looks a bit Mm. like a children's book, um, but it is friendly and accessible. And I, I'm really excited about it because I think that it, it, you know, if you, if you take the time to sit down and read it and it's not long, um, you'll have that confidence that you can start, that you have the knowledge to start. So um, I I tell you everything you need and nothing you don't. I don't go into some crazy investment scheme. I'm very straightforward. Um, I provide some historical context for the reasoning behind things. Um, And I don't offer one size fits all solutions because No, your financial fingerprint is as unique as your real fingerprint. Exactly. So, um, so which is why it's so important just to get that basic knowledge so that you can make decisions for yourself, um, in, in a way where you're confident about those decisions and you're confident that you've got this. So, um, so I am, I am so excited. It's, it it has just come out. Um, it is just now ready to order. So I'm, you've got the book there, show it up. Oh, oh, <laughs> it's got little tags. Cause there's a couple of things. This was my first, this is my first print, but it, but you can see on the inside that Ooh. it's, it's all illustrated with these. So with whether these they're ready people. or not, this is a good way of engaging the family. You know, maybe some of yes. the, the verbiage is like, okay, I'm not there in that comprehension yet, yes. but I'm kind of getting the principle behind it. And as they get older, yes. they get to understand it. And especially teenagers who think money yes. grows on trees, right? Right. Yes, or that exactly. they've got to have that later, da, 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 or iPhone because everybody else yes. has got it, right? Right. Uh, you know, is is you're setting the seeding and the groundwork for them to yes. look at money differently. Yes. And, and, it, and it is important because even if you, and I don't think it's, it really isn't ever too late, no. but even if you felt like it was too late for you, it's not too late for your kids. No. And, um, and, and you can change their financial trajectory to a positive one. That's more positive than what you did. You know, we're, we, my generation is the first generation where, and your kids too, Sarah, where, where we, we don't, we aren't doing better than our parents did financially. No. Um, and as a, as a whole, and I think that we can change that for our kids. I think they can do better than we have. Um, and I think that shift for them is that they saw how, how hard the parents worked for what, you know, for this money, this illusion, 
And then yes. how people were buying the bigger house to keep up with the Joneses, but then we had yes. less going out or less going that because of the mortgage. And yes. this is where I think the decision making is I don't want to burden myself with debt. I actually, and they call it the avocado toast principle. I want to be able to go and afford a $15 avocado toast instead of all my money going into a mortgage and I can't afford to leave the house. Right, right. Yeah. And and the thing is, is like the coffee and the avocado yeah. toast is such a small percentage of what people are spending on yeah. the necessities, right? Yeah. So when you're like, well, I think that you should give up all pleasure, yes. you know, it's like, no, so you're going to afford a house on a mortgage. <laughs> right. Like, no, no, we're not going to, we're not going to do that. We're, yeah. you know, we, we probably will wind up spending more on necessities than we would have in, in a past market, in a past economy. Um, but it doesn't mean that you should be constantly depriving yourself. Right. You know, you should have a spending plan that gives you permission to spend on little things that make you happy like that. So uh, I used to, when, yeah. when, when I kind of was sure of my money, it, it used to be third to the third. Third was yes. my living expenses. Third was yeah. my play expenses. And the third was my saving. You know, yeah. n- nowadays, with rents and things like this, you're more at the half or the two thirds. Right? Uh, yes, at, l- and, at and least. You know, it doesn't, I don't get it. Like we've just had interest rates go up again, which means gas has gone up and food has gone up, but you want people to build the economy. And this is something I, you know, I have no understanding of. You're putting up these interest rates to balance the spending, but you need people to spend in order to keep the economy going. And it's like, I don't get it. You know, it just doesn't make sense yes. to me. So clearly there's something I'm missing. Right? Well, they're, they are trying to slow the economy down by causing people not to spend in order to curb inflation. Um, and because the lower the amount of spending, the more the companies have to, quote, lower their prices. But the thing is, is the overwhelming majority of the inflation that we've seen has been in non-discretionary items groceries yes housing yes um and like they extent, should be those necessities should be exempt from that type right of thing. and yes. healthcare, right yes. so if you look at inflation charts where you put a list of things that are discretionary you know like things like tvs and clothes and those things have actually like not really increased in value much um or in price oh, you know that, that you is the in- <laughs> <laughs> the the inflation factor well like if you think about what a what a big tv was you know five years ago it's ten true, years yeah. ago today kind of it's new, like yeah. they're they're just not you know that they haven't they haven't astronomically increased the same as food has and necessities as food has and, and rent nece- has and right. things yeah 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 so if people but but the thing is is the is rent and healthcare and food are not things that people can necessarily make as much of a choice on. You no. know, you're, you're like, you don't have the same, you know, I can give up. I, I mean, I can stick with my old TV. I can probably go a year, maybe even two without buying a new piece of clothing. Most of I, us can, yes. you know, if we really had to. Um, but but we can't go a year without eating and we can't go a year without paying our mortgage or our rent. Um, and oh, we need a and, car to get around. You know, yes, and uh, right? so when you, you've got the, the gas, I mean, the other day, our gas, which you know, was more expensive, um, we were at, what was it, two, uh, 229, mm-hmm. right? Uh, um, for a liter. Yeah. For a liter. But I go, 
uh, an hour and a half further down the island and I got it at 177. <laughs> and, and it's still like, that's, you know, it's so expensive still. Yes. I don't think in liters, I think in gallons, but right, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's here, liter, which how many, yeah. how many, how many liters to a gallon? I can't remember, but, but right. you know, expensive, very, it's very ex- expensive, which then drives is. the cost of, of everything else. And it's like, yes. where, you know, why is there not the same emphasis are coming in on the renters and on the gas and on the this and that to keep the cost low so people can afford with it. I mean, we've right. got people with the, they bought a house, they've got, you know, already the mortgage is really high. And now if they remortgage, it's an extra thousand or more a month. Oh my gosh. No, the, I mean, the mortgage rates are absolutely insane yeah. compared to what they, what they have been in the very recent past. And the housing prices have also gone up so drastically. Ridiculously. And and yeah, and so this is what I'm saying. You know, your your old the third, a third, a third yeah. was such a practical piece of advice, you know, like 20 years ago. Yes. And now, and now if like it's let's unrealistic. just pretend that I have right, that I have five thousand dollars a month in income after my taxes have been paid. And you know. 3,000 of that, 2,000 of that is going towards my rent and 1,000 is going towards my food and another $500 is going towards my transportation. And I have to save somewhere in there and I have to pay my utilities and I have to like, then all of a sudden, instead of out of that $5,000 having 1,500 as your savings, right? Or in, in 1,500 is your discretion, now you maybe have $500 left over for savings and discretion. And, and then, it, so you don't, you just don't. So I'm very aware that, that this is, it is not easy today to have a, to have a, a, a stable financial situation where you feel like you can save aggressively, where you feel, where you know that your kid's college is taken care of, where you know that, a medical expense won't bankrupt you, you know. Well, and as, um, as here a pensioner, you know, um, you know what what we have is uh, we don't have the ability to go out and earn like we used to, you know, age mm-hmm. or can't get a job or physicality or whatever. Right. I mean, I work seven hours a day at this, but it doesn't match the income. Uh, I get eighteen hundred a month. My expenditure mm-hmm. is at least two thousand a month before food. Right. right. So you had to save to make up the difference. That's gone. No, oh, the visa. The <laughs> visa. The visa keeps climbing. And then I pay as little as I can off every month. So the visa. But but no, that, and I'm not the only one in this boat because no. everything keeps going up. Every time you go, oh, you've got another, oh, it's gone up. And things aren't going up like a small percentage. They're jumping right. 50 or 100 bucks at a time. Right. And it's like, but no, the pension doesn't go up like this. So what we're seeing is a crisis of my generation who thought that they, you know, were being frugal, that they had the savings or they could look after their old age. They can't. They can't afford right. the rents anymore. And we're literally seeing them homeless. Yes. Yeah. Well, and we have, and we've had such a shift of culture in that, in that, you know, when, when you get to be an older person, you don't, you don't automatically just go and live with your children. Nope. Nope. Our life expectancy is so much longer than when all of these systems were put in place. So like when the social security here in the U S was put into place, 
Um, the average life expectancy was like 63 or four, and you could take your social security (laughs) at 62, right? So, so the expectation was that you'd live maybe one or two years into taking that social security. Well, now you, the, the, the time that you take it hasn't really changed, right? You can still take it at 62, but our life expectancy is in the late seventies now. And so you, you, and a lot of people are living much, much longer than that, but they're not working past 60 either, which they shouldn't have to. Um, but when you're facing, instead of facing five years of retirement, when we're now facing 30 years of retirement or not earning income, um, I think we really do have to shift and it may mean having an encore career for some people, you know, it may mean, it may mean working at your local grocer or, um, or, or doing some consulting work that you, that you would have learned in your previous career. It may mean just, you know, it may mean, really, mean like, like moving the woman, in with your kid. Uh, the woman I live with, she turns 90 this week. And mm-hmm. um, before COVID, she was a demonstrator, right? So she would go and do mm. demonstrations. But she was a bona fide accountant before when she mm. retired, right? Yeah. She can't get a accountancy job now because she's not up no. to date with it and her age. Right. And so what is there around for her age? And so that means that she's standing eight hours a day as a demonstrator, Right. Right. Uh, And all of that. So, you know, there is um, I I have physicality problems, so I can't go and do any of those physical jobs, but I'm doing this. But I'm in an industry where people don't pay. Right. Right. It's it's a hell of a lot of thing going on with around the podcast thing. So it is very, very difficult for people that are of the older age. And when you look at it, we're a huge amount of the population enormous yes and so it is like this is a game we need to scratch what has been and reassess and that means not only the government but also the financial planners need to be a a unified voice and say to the government look i'm working on the front lines this is what has to change because if the more they can go la 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 and avoid Nothing's going to get done. And the only thing that's going to get done is when we put pressure on them. Yes. Yes. I, 100%. I agree. We, we, we absolutely need to have a massive overhaul absolutely. of our, our systems, the way we think about, the way we think about earning income, the way we think about retirement, the way that we think about the function of money in our lives and the way that we think about capitalism which, yes. which people are, you know, they worship at this, at, at the, at the God of capitalism and capitalism does not work like it should ideally, like any, like any economic system, you know, it, 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 it does not reward people who no. work harder. No, um, no, it, I, it, it certainly uh, doesn't. And it, it's, it's still, you know, you talked about the schemes and the get rich and then this and that. They're there, you know, and for for people who are struggling, things. Well, what if I just invest in that? I could make that little extra, and then you find a it's gone bankrupt. It's gone this. It's gone that. And you know, like yeah. that money could have done this and could have done that. And but yeah. you know, all those schemes are out there. But you know, it is true. The rich get richer, but they do. They get financially richer, but I think they get morally and emotionally and vibrationally spiritually. spiritually poor. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. They do. And maybe, you know, maybe we can all be just a little bit happy about that, that 
that we have the ability, you know, and, and that is a personal choice, right? Yes. We have the ability to be spiritually full. And, yes. um, and, and despite the fact that my struggles with money, I'm far happier be who I am doing what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. You yes. know, you know, yes, of course, I'd like the bank balance to be easier, but I would not. I've worked for money where I've not enjoyed what I've done and felt yeah. and felt empty at it. And I will never, ever yes. work for that kind of feeling again. And, you know, I think no. when we've got more and more people stepping into the passion of why they're doing it, that meaningful purpose that, you know, I'll get up and do it for free, even though pay me. Right. Uh, because I love it so much. That I think is when we start having more of an enriched society and we start reevaluating. Yeah. Right. Instead of yeah. just people working for the job because they've got to put food on the table. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then like you said earlier, they get trapped. Yes. And when you're trapped and you don't have a choice, then you'll then you wind up doing things that maybe aren't so morally yeah. savory. You know, exactly. <laughs> so, desperation. So, Desperation. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. So so we don't we you know, we want a society where no one is desperate like that. You know, I, I mean, and I, it I shouldn't think... be. Come on. In no, this time, you know, no. 2023, where we are with, with knowledge of so much more in light, there is absolutely no way that all of this, quite honestly, crap should be going on. And the only way no. we're going to change that the hems of the world from the, who move my yes. cheese are not going to change. And so we've no. got to stop catering for them. And we've got to support the others that are out sniffing and scurrying around for the food. Right. Yes. Because that's yes. the only way we're going to change is support the change. And yes. those that want to change, those that don't want to change, that's their choice. That's right. their choice. No. You know, and if, yep. and they're going to go by the wayside. Like they the can time. be left behind. They will be yep. left behind. They are being left behind. <laughs> yes. Right. Yes, so, I agree. So whether you're confused about what to do with your money, whatever you are, you, the book that you've done is really transcending of any income. Right. Is it, but you yes. primarily work with the middle class people with uh, 200, 300, 400,000 a year and how to to work with their money. Um, but the book just speaks for everybody and pretty yes. well kind of all ages really from kid up you know the, the earlier you are in teaching your kid about financial planning and, and money in itself the value of money um yes. and where money can be of value yes right uh, the yes. the more enriched they're going to grow up the more value they're going to have over that dollar and what it can do what it's empowered to do rather than becoming a slave to the money or god forbid you know the the do anything for money at any cost because then those prices yes. are too high. So how yes. do people get hold of your book club and how do they reach you and what are you offering them? Do you have conversation with them first or what is it? About? Yeah. Yeah. I, so my one-on-one -on -one clients, if, if, if you need a one-on-one -on -one financial advisor and you fall into that upper middle income place where, where you, you need that coaching, um, I do have a, I, we do an introductory call that's complimentary um, to just see if we might be a good fit um, for, for anybody who's interested in my book, it'll be listed on my website, which is uh, financiallab.us. And um, it'll be available uh, to buy when this uh, recording comes out. Great. So next week, good. Um, <laughs> so financiallab.com, it's all there. Will it be up on Amazon and all of that as well? It's yeah. not going to be on Amazon and, and, and there's, 
there's reasons for that um, right. that have to do with with not me not wanting to be uh, a, a, a yes, slave I get to it. that particular yeah. um, monster. It's not to say that it will never be there, but right now, right now, it is. It's only going to be available directly through me. Exactly, and you know that again. It's like your kids are, you know, getting to that point of understanding what money is—seven, eight, or whatever the case is. Whether they can actually understand the words, but you can talk. You can talk to the actions of their age. Start yes. introducing them to it, and the more you make it a family affair. Uh, the easier it is, is when you say, look, we're pulling our reins in this month or for in the next while. And it isn't like you're depriving us. It's like, oh, OK, right. I understand why, because you're understanding what you need to do. Certain things. you want to go on that holiday next year overseas, then that means we're going to have to sacrifice a little bit this year so we can put money aside for it. That's and it right. doesn't become more of a punishment. It becomes more of an excitement and anticipation of what is coming up rather than right. you taking away from us. So, yeah. Yeah. And you're doing it as a team. Yes. You know, it's like there you're, I've always thought that kids understand so much more than we give them credit for. Yeah. And if you're stressed about money, but you're not telling them at all, right. you're, you know, you're hiding. They it feel them, the stress and they think it's something it. to do with them. Right. Right. Exactly. So just, yeah. So open so, honest dialogue according to the age yes. of what they are. Absolutely. Yes. yes. And, and you have to be able to say no to them and yeah. have them understand the reason behind it, right. you know, not just because you're mean and because no. you, you know, you don't want them to have whatever it is that they want. Yeah. And, and don't go money the, grow, doesn't grow on trees because they don't know what the hell you're talking about. Right. Exactly. <laughs> no, don't say all those bad, like money mindset words right. to them because you don't want them to have that idea that, yeah. <clears throat> that, that they also, that they can't have abundance in their yeah. life. But, um, but yeah, I think I, I have a whole chapter on kids and money in my book Excellent. too, just to Wonderful. talk to them about the way to, the way that, um, the way to, to sort of think about how to involve them. The book sounds like a really great way to even introduce how you look at money. Um, you know, for somebody who goes, well, you know, am I ready for you or not? But the book is a great yes. start. And so when they yes. are ready for you, they already know who you are, why you are, and what the principle is behind it. But it just sounds yes. like just a great book for family and people in general, you know, to kind of, I don't know anything about finance. I don't know what to do. Well, you know, a simple book that can yes. on the path, you know, make it easy. Yes. Because I'm completely you know, financial literate. <laughs> so, you know, the more people kind of make it something that is, oh, one step, two step, three step, I get it. You know, instead of this hierarchy dumbing you down, making you feel stupid, you know, the more yes. people are then going to be more engaged in their finances and what to do. So yes. thank you so much yeah. for sharing here today, Laura. We've covered a great deal, which is wonderful. And thank you for what you're doing and the fact that it is conscious business, that you are consciously wanting people to be empowered and secure. And it isn't about, you know, you've got to make this kind of money. You've got to manifest this money. You're only important if you have this money. Money is important, but only when you make it work for you, not you're working yes. for it right yes yeah exactly thank you so much Sarah this has been so fun and enlightening and enjoyable and I just can't tell you how much I appreciate your time right back at you love so folks remember money isn't the evil how we use it that is where you know the the question comes into play but money itself is just simply a tool that helps us survive and when we use it properly, we invest it properly, we look at it properly, then we actually understand how it can empower our meaningful purpose in life 
our journey in life, our enrichment in life, that the riches don't lie in the dollar sign. They lie in what the money can do to empower our enrichment. Until next time, folks. Bye for now. We hope that you enjoyed the show. There are so many more for you here on selfdiscoverywisdom.com. Just go to the podcast tag at the top there and you will see all the many genres and all 3,000 shows ready for your listening. We are here to serve you, to help you on your journey of life. And we know that through inspiration, it begets invitation. We are supported by you, the listeners, and those that we interview. Anything that you can spare us in donation would be greatly accepted. And we do hope that you enjoy the next show.